From Impact Alpha Media, this is Returns on Investment, a show about the impact investing marketplace. Live, on tape, from New York City, I'm Brian Walsh, Head of Impact for the financial technology company LiquidNet. With me in New York is Imogen Rose Smith, who's a senior writer with Institutional Investor Magazine. Hello, Imogen. Hi, Brian. And joining us from San Francisco by the magic of podcasting technology uh, is David Bank, who's editor-in-chief of Impact Alpha. Hi, David. Hi, Brian and Imogen. On today's show, we're going to talk about Benefit Chicago, a new place-based investment program that seeks to provide new investors with the opportunity to engage in impact investing. It's a new $100 million fund that is a collaboration between the MacArthur Foundation, the Calvert Foundation, and the Chicago Community Trust. Money for this fund will be raised from individuals, businesses, and institutions through the sale of community investment notes, which are a type of bond. Then, the capital will be deployed through a MacArthur Foundation-managed fund in the form of low-cost, long-term loans and equity investments to Chicago-based, impactful organizations and companies. David, you were just in Chicago. Does anybody call it Chi-Town? No. No one calls it Chi-Town? No so, David, you were just in Chicago. Can you tell us, uh, what can you tell us more about this initiative? Well, I will say they were very excited about the NFL draft, but they were also excited about Benefit Chicago. And... The, the draft was happening in Chicago while I was there. Because while, also while I was there, the lead editorial in the Chicago Tribune was about this initiative, which the, the paper was crowing about because there had been a contest, uh, not a contest, a series of, 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 of articles and a whole process to uh, elicit uh, ideas for community improvement. And, uh, that's, and they had come up with the same idea. So they were very keen on this new thing that was getting rolled out. And from a local point of view, it's a, you know, it's a great story. There's now going to be $100 million more money for all kinds of social services, childcare centers, job training, you know, energy efficiency, low-income housing. So just at a pure, you know, more resources for community services, it was a, it was a big story. From our point of view, I think, in this podcast and on Impact Alpha, it was really interesting collaboration at an impact investing level between a, a bunch of different players who were playing different roles. And I think we should, I think people might be interested in how that all came together. So yeah, David, can you explain a little more exactly how the mechanics of it work? Because I think it's important to understand how this note operates and what what's really different about this. Well, it's both interesting what's different and it's interesting what's the same. So Calvert Foundation has been issuing these community investment notes for quite a while. And they're just a very simple, plain vanilla instrument. They don't pay very much. I think it's up to 4% if if you leave your money for 15 years, but it's only like 1% if you put it in for a year. And um, Calvert Foundation then on the back end makes various kinds of loans and other investments and just commits to paying this um, this, this coupon each each, you know, whatever the, whatever the, the repayment uh, period is. So from that level, this is just another uh, set aside or, or, or earmarked category of, of things that Calvert can do with that money. So there's no, so if you like Calvert notes, this is just a Calvert note that's a, that has a little note on it that says use this in Chicago. The Chicago Community Trust, which is the community foundation for Chicago, this is a little bit more interesting for them because they're making their first real foray into impact investing you know, community foundations mostly operate to take philanthropic-minded local citizens who set up these accounts called donor-advised funds, and the community foundation manages a whole pool of money for a bunch of different donors and makes usually grants to local organizations out of that, out of that money. 
What's different here is they will use the principal of those accounts, not the grant side, but the actual principal, and invest, they're saying up to you know 15 million at least, into these notes. They'll buy 15 million of these Calvert notes. So that will jumpstart the fundraising for this new fund. And in effect, those donor-advised fund holders will be making their first impact investments because they'll be using their donor-advised fund to actually make investments that get repaid, not just, not just grants. But the, the people the, who are investing through the donor advised fund, they'll never see that money back. It, it's it's no, they've they already, it's already committed capital, committed philanthropic capital. They will and they won't, right? One of the things that's cool about this is that what it means is you're effectively using your donor advised money twice. So while it's sitting in a fund waiting to be deployed, instead of just going into a money market fund or something, it's going into these notes. So that money is then being put to work in Chicago. So then when you redeem that money and you do whatever you're doing with it as a donor advised fund, you're using it again. So you technically, the donor advised fund is seeing it back, but it's then gonna siphon it into philanthropic work. And if outside of the donor advised funds, is there a way for individuals to invest in these notes? Yes, you can go and you can, you can buy 20 bucks, you can go and buy it online. But yeah, I think if you go to vested.org and you can spend 20 bucks and you can buy a, you can buy a note. Um, and if you go through your brokerage, I think the minimums are 1,000. But um, Calvert Investment Notes have for a long time been one of the few and, and best you know, ways for retail investors, individual investors to get into impact investing. Like we've said, it doesn't pay you back very much, but it's, it's relatively secure and, and it's you know, well-managed and it's got a good reputation. And but, this is not to be, this is not an investment advice for anybody. We should put the disclaimer out. <laughs> this does, <laughs> you should seek professional, professional, professional help. <laughs> you should seek professional help for probably a lot of, a lot of reasons too. Um, but is this uh, kind of part of that trend towards mainstreaming impact investing and, and, get, and opening up impact investing? Because I think there is a, a sense that impact investing is, uh, something that's just for the already wealthy as a way for them to deploy capital in an innovative way uh, and not necessarily for retail investors. Is, is this trying to counter that narrative and say that impact investing is something that can be accessible uh, to all, all types of investors? Yeah, and I think that's what? one of the things that is exciting about this, right? That it allows you, it allows regular people to play a part in the impact investing story right now in Chicago, but the idea is, is that this could be replicable in other cities. You could have Benefit Brooklyn, you could have Benefit Los Angeles, and that for 20 bucks or whatever, you are going to indirectly be playing a role in you know, some of the hardest, trickiest places to get capital to. So we're talking about you know, getting social services, housing, schools, businesses, et cetera, et cetera, in inner cities. That's one of like the trickiest, thorniest problems to tackle. And this lets individuals, companies, if they want to use treasury funds, whatever, play a part in that. So it in that it is. Like that's that that's sort of I think one of the things that's most exciting. What it isn't doing is, you know, as David was saying, you're not making a lot of money doing this. So it really it's the equivalent of a C CLO or something like that. I mean, CLO studio. It's not the promise of doing good and doing well. It's just the difference between 
philanthropy and getting your money back. Yes, all that's true. And what what it's what it's a, what it's part of is a bigger shift that does democratize impact investing, which is just like individual investors might want to make a loan to that social cent- service center down in the inner city that's doing job training and childcare and doesn't quite know how to do that, right? It's not going to manage that $20 loan for that, for that service, right? So you pool it together and somebody manages that. The same thing is true for these donor advised fund holders. The same thing is also true for many family foundations or other, or other, other big donors. They have the capital and they are happy to deploy it effectively in these ways, but they, what they don't have is the whole infrastructure and capacity to manage all of these transactions. And so if you can allow them to put their capital to work without requiring them to also manage the transactions, you then open up the access to lots more capital. And so by aggregating that together and providing a, an effectively a back office function that, that takes care of all those complications, you make it much more possible for people who couldn't do impact investing to do so. That includes retail investors, obviously, but it also includes other donors um, who, who might be much more big ticket donors, but who also don't have that capacity. But one of the things I do wonder about with this is how scalable is it really, right? So and MacArthur and Partners did their study and they found that there is you know, $100 million capacity for good loans into inner city Chicago replicated across that that's still it's still not a huge amount of capacity and it's still incredibly complex and difficult to make these loans on the back end so you're not talking about something that is sort of a plug-in and play so yeah i mean chicago is a very large market and if the maximum capacity of investable opportunities for this type in chicago is only 100 million uh what does that say about, is there a ceiling to the growth of impact investing? Well, this, these are enterprises. They could be small nonprofits. They could be social enterprises, for-profits, you know, that have some ability to repay a loan, right? It's not, it's not a grant, so you have to have some kind of cash flow back. That cash flow could be a government contract to provide a service. It doesn't have to be a, a small business selling something, but it, you have to have the ability to repay a grant. Um, and so there's a, you know, there is a limited number of those, but there is an increasingly, increasing number of those. But what's interesting to me, and I would say what I thought the biggest danger was, was just how many hands these funds are going to pass through before they get to the ultimate, even the agent, the, the, the organization or the agency. Because, for example, the MacArthur, the, the, the Benefit Chicago Fund might actually make a loan to a community development finance institute, a kind of community bank structure which then would actually make the loan to the social enterprise. So then you've got the money going from a donor through a Calvert note into the fund to a community development finance institute and then to the enterprise. And everybody's, of course, got to get paid for their, for their contribution there. And there might, it might be not as much of the dollar gets down to the ultimate recipient. Now, I asked them about this, and they said, in fact, the, the transaction fees are going to be much, much lower than any other form of getting money to those enterprises. So that this, in fact, is lower cost capital with lower transaction fees. And I think we just have to keep an eye on that and make sure that, that, that the money really does flow. And is that, is that this idea of there are so many intermediaries and everybody has to have their bread buttered uh, so that, that is this the most efficient way to get capital to these, uh, to these organizations on the ground? Right. And I think the answer is 
yes, there's lots, it goes through lots of hands, but any other way goes through even more hands, and those other hands would actually take even more. So, so this is actually, although it looks like a lot of layers, it's actually fewer layers and also fewer uh, lower fees. But that is what I mean. I think that's where the rubber is really going to hit the road with this fund and any subsequent funds is actually how, how is it executed and keeping an eye on how much transparency, how much money does actually get to the end user, who do they choose to invest with. And again, when you have all these participants and all these voices, how satisfied are they going to be with the choices that the body they're putting in place to oversee this fund make? Do you think that could possibly um, call for a kind of media operation that would keep a sort of watchdog eye on, on impact investing and, and how transparent these things turn out to be and the real performance of those, if, of those if, kind of if, initiatives? If only we could think of su such an entity. Where, where would one find such a thing? David Bank, editor-in-chief of ImpactAlpha.com. Uh, what kind of media property do you think would be uh, would you have in mind for that? I just think that there should be uh, uh, an ongoing kind of coverage of these kinds of things that really takes into account both the impact that they create and then also, of course, the, you know, the finances and, and make sure that, that, that there's no um, slippage there as well. But um, I think if we uh, are looking for models, this, this one really could be. We dubbed it in Impact Alpha the Chicago model for precisely the reason you said, that there is the possibility that it could, be, could spread. And in fact, I think just since they launched it, you know, they were telling me that they've been fielding inquiries from all over the country for how to, how to do this in other places. And I think one of the things as well that's worth talking about here is, is sort of what this does is it solves a business problem for the donor advised funds. You know, the donor advised funds were an early iteration of the sort of popularization of philanthropy that we now think of as part of impact. But then impact investing came along, and impact investing was a lot sexier and a lot more exciting than the donor advised funds. And being a donor advised fund is a business just like anything else. So they were at a competitive disadvantage because they couldn't quite figure out how to get into the impact space, or at least not into the impact space, enough to satisfy their clients and their potential clients. So this kind of mechanism is great for them. It has the potential to make them a much more significant player in the impact space. I think you're right, and I think this donor-advised fund question will become a, a, a very hot topic in impact in investing circles. Because if you think about it, the donors who've given them put their money in their donor-advised fund, and 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 the community foundations offer these, and also you know the the all the big mutual funds, the Fidelities and the Vanguards and whatnot, also offer them now, and and they become. Um, uh, quite a big business. And, and the advantage for the individual is you get your tax break for your charitable donation. And to Brian's earlier question, you, you can't ever get the money out for your individual use, but it does come back into the fund. But you've already given the money away for, for a charitable reason. You've already gotten your tax deduction. And now, as you said earlier, Imogen, you get to use the money twice. You get to make grants, obviously. That's the original intent of these things. And you get to use the principal in a way that also has impact. And so you've turned these donor advised funds, which are, you know, as I said, mission driven from the get go. They're, they've already received a tax break for, for their charitable intent. And you've turned them into much more effective instruments for, uh, for, for, for impact. But just to push back on that a little bit, I, I can see how the community foundation managed donor advised funds and the, the nonprofit managed donor advised funds uh, might be interested in offering uh, these kind of investment opportunities. But 
as, as I understand it, the, the big mutual funds and Fidelities and the Vanguards and, and the like that, that operate donor-advised funds are doing it essentially as a way to have more investments under management and have more assets being managed and, and charge, charging fees uh, for that. So they wouldn't be as interested in partnering with a Calvert or uh, anyone else to, to provide these low-cost uh, but they would investment notes. But they wouldn't need a Calvert because they would be the they would have their own distribution arm, so they would play the they could play that role. It also do they have the capacity to find those deals? No, they would need someone else. But they're not Calvert isn't finding the deals, so the deals are coming through the Chicago Community Trust and the MacArthur entity. So they would need to partner with again the right players to have the on-the-ground expertise. But what it also does is, if they don't choose to do that, it makes these community-based donor advised funds much more competitive with the big broker-dealers. Well, and the other part of it, the other part of it is the, the, the beauty of the Calvert Note is it already is on the platform of, of a lot of these, um, a lot of these, donor advised fund platforms and, and, and others. So, you know, these donor advised funds, as you said, Brian, and you said it, not me, you know, do, you know, count as assets under management for these big brokerages and, and mutual funds. But on the other hand, they do have outside products already on a lot of those platforms as, as they do, as other brokers, brokerages do as well. So, and the Calvert note is probably the most widely distributed of what could be considered impact investing notes now. So, the, the, the point is that, that you're taking something that's already well understood and letting folks uh, do something new with it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. If you like the show, tell others about it and uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts these days. And be sure to leave us a rating and even a comment. It helps other people discover the show. If you didn't like the show, maybe just keep it to yourself. Uh, just kidding. We love hearing your feedback. You can send us an email at info at impactalpha.com, tweet at us at impactalpha, or leave a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash impactalpha. To keep up to date on the impact investing marketplace, be sure to visit and subscribe to our newsletter at impactalpha.com. Special thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. Thanks, Isaac. In New York, I'm Brian Walsh. On behalf of David Bank and Imogen Rose Smith, thanks for listening to Returns on Investment. Until next time.